This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. BTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Tuesday, August 16th, and uh, due to our stellar education system, Bradley Hallman is now, <laughs> his proximity to the studio in Moore, Oklahoma, we're at the studio in Moore until January, and yep. then we'll be transitioning, I have to build a studio at my house uh, that's going to start in January, but anyway, the school your kids go to now is right down the road from the studio, so I get a call now from Bradley, who's like, hey, you want me to jump in? So now it's not an hour drive, it's... It's just a hop, skip, and a jump down there. Literally, you could walk there from the school. I mean, it would take you 20 minutes, but it's right down the road. Yeah, and the timing's right, too. You know, kids drop off at 8.15, and BTL starts at 8.30, yeah. so it's great. So it's a – and this is a, a little precursor to who, who we have on today. We're not easy. We've gone over this before, but it's it's the, the studio and more than two miles, the school your kids go to, then two miles past that. The palace that Bob Stoops lives in. Yeah. All on the same road. The BTL studio. Bob's is actually in between the two. I had to pass Bob's house. He was, they was out there this morning mowing. Bob was out there mowing. I don't think it was Bob, but they were mowing. He's probably in there working on the XFL game plans. Yeah. All right. We got a good show today. Uh, Texas is Brian Robison uh, on the show. Obviously, most noted for his, I think, 11 years with the Vikings, but uh, I got to give it to him. You know, we see guys who come in for professional athletes. They want to jump in the game. We've seen Randy Moss. We've seen a number of different guys that are into the, the fishing. But Brian, I think he's got some staying power. Yeah. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he has has gone all in on the fishing stuff. To say the least. A business owner, angler, YouTuber, philanthropist. He's got it all covered, uh, and really cool uh, to see him every every year get more and more involved, understand the industry more and more, work behind the scenes, and and do what he does. So we will have uh, Brian on for the duration of the show. I really want to get into some interesting stuff with him. We were going to have him on last year when Jeffries went on this massive rant about like overpaid signing bonuses and contracts and all that, and Brian texted me. He's like, let me at him. Let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> And uh, and then I don't know if Jeffries was scared. It just it didn't work out. It was busy. But but now I've got some stuff I want to to, to bring up with him. Uh, some really interesting uh, discussion, kind of kind of focused around like players' unions, right? Right, right. And why we don't have that in bass fishing? Why don't we? I what well, we're going to get into with Bride, and then also talk about uh, his first eye cast as a a tackle shop owner. Uh, and what that was like. But want to take care of a little bit of business first. The Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit title going on today, starting today uh, on the St. Lawrence River. I'm really jealous of those guys who had that string. I think Justin Lucas's streak was, let me see if I get this right, it was like Cayuga, Champlain, St. Lawrence River, 
Malax. Yeah, that's a good coming stretch. Coming up. Good that, stretch. It does not get any better than no. that stretch. No. Absolutely insane stretch. And he's fishing really well, too. So, yeah, and he loves smallmouth. So, yeah, that's a good stretch. Yeah, early, early on uh, day one, uh, Oklahoma angler, Kyle Cordiana, leading the early way, 17-8 for five. They're doing five fish. Uh, they've got the two days of qualifying, but then they zero the weights. But they are boxing. They are weighing in the five. Fish. Kyle had a really strong tournament at uh, Champlain when they were there. Really strong. Yeah. So they're fishing for the belt. Remember when uh, uh, – Jimmy Washam won it last year. He got all those fish like hung up in the wood on the Mississippi River on mm-hmm. the Nico worm, yep. and he like fought him for like three, like literally like three minutes. He had that big one pet hung. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And then it it came out. Yeah. So fifty of those guys fishing for the title. I know. I wish they wouldn't have changed the name of that. I wish it would have stayed the cup. I don't understand that, but that's a whole different bag of worms. It was the for. Uh, it was the forest. L Wood Cup for a while, and then it was the FLW Cup, and then it was the FLW Championship when they changed it to Fishing League Worldwide, and then in uh, 19, they changed it to the uh, Pro Circuit Title, all capitals, though, T-I-T-L-E. Mm-hmm. I just like to name the cup. Yeah. What else you got going on, Bradley? Nothing. I'm actually glad to be on a show that, hey, y'all can't complain if we talk a little college football today because... We're going to be talking it, and I'm going to be allowed to. We're 16 days away, Matt. I'm good on I'm that. Jonesing, dude. I'm Jonesing, I want to get more into the fishing aspect of it with Brian. I know. I know. Because that's he's he's head first into this thing now. He's got a new gig that's really big in college football coming up, though. Brand new. I know, but he's also part owner of the Tackle Attic now, that's and that's dude. one of the biggest shops around. Dude's got a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, a that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a commitment to get into the tackle game. It is. And he was at ICAST, he doing was. deals, wearing the logo, doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Tackle Attic. You ready to talk to him? Yeah. Bring him on. Brian, what's up, man? Thank you for uh, thank you for jumping on BTL this morning. Second appearance on BTL. Long overdue on the second one. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And listen, we, we got enough room to talk a little both football and fishing. We, we got room for it. <laughs> I right. get in trouble all the time because I like go down that rabbit hole and nobody wants to hear about it. But it's 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 kind of my addiction. So, uh, l- listen, when all this stuff was going down last year, I'll tell a quick story, Brian, to put this into perspective. So we had a uh, we had like a an event at Table Rock uh, last fall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going through some stuff, and Brad was going through some stuff, uh, like just personal life stuff, right? So I'm there and. Uh, and what this is like November, and uh, Brad comes over. He's like, "You doing all right, man?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there." And Brad just didn't quite seem right. And this was when the whole uh, 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 I can't even remember our coach's name now. That's how that's how much I blocked it out. <laughs> this was before Lincoln we had signed Lincoln Ven- Riley. Venables. Oh, he had to bring it up oh. anyway. And and I could tell like for the first day that Brad just something wasn't right with Brad. And I thought, you know, well, he asked about my personal life. And I said, Brad, I said, are you you doing all right, dude? Everything good? We kind of had a quiet moment on the back deck there. We're drinking a couple spotted cows because one of the one of the uh, guys that was there was from Wisconsin, brought home yeah. some spotted cows in a bottle. And he's like, no, man, I'm not. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. And I was yeah. like, well, you want to talk about it? I mean, I'm not the greatest person when it comes to that, but you can. And he goes, I just can't believe he'd do it to us, man. He had that thing playing the whole... I said, wait a second. I said, 
this is all over a football coach? I said, I thought you were talking about like personal life. He's like, no, man, we're gutted now. We're gutted. He's like, I can't sleep. I'm losing sleep. It's really affected me in my daily life. And I was like, get out of here, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you remember uh, that? I, I remember it well. Yeah. Wasn't good feelings. That was a rough month. Yeah. So where are you right now? Are you back home in uh, on the ranch in Texas? Or I know you've been all over the map following you on social media. You've been like signing hot dog cases and mac and cheese and doing all sorts of different stuff all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, I'm back at the house here in Belleville, Texas. So staying home for a little bit. Going to go to the shop at the end of the week. Uh, so I'm around for a little while. All right. Uh how close is uh, Belleville, where you live, over to Rayburn, where Tackle Attic is? It's about three hours. Uh, so I make that trek pretty much every week. I'll go over there, spend you know a couple days, two, three days here and there with it, and yep. then uh, drive back. And my, luckily, I've got a great wife that uh, she has immersed herself into it and does a lot of the books and things like that. So makes it a lot easier on me to just kind of handle business at the shop, and she handles the business on that side. Brad, uh, his wife's a big time barrel racer. Yeah, and yeah. also does like the breeding and all that stuff for the. Matt can relate. Matthew can definitely relate. Yeah, you can't be a oh, barrel yeah. racer without being cutthroat. <laughs> you gotta be cutthroat. So I, I want to jump right into the tackle attic thing because that that intrigues me. There's a big difference between fishing the Toyota series and some opens and doing a YouTube channel and stuff, and then there's the big difference between that and like owning a major tackle shop kind of, when did that come about? What was the, uh, what was the kind of Genesis of that and the thought process behind jumping in head first on that, uh, on that business opportunity? Well, I mean, you know, before the end of my football career, I became very, very passionate about bass fishing and, and really even the tournament scene, you know, I started dabbling towards the end of my career and, uh, Rayburn was kind of, I mean, I guess it really wasn't my home lake, but it was probably the lake that I fished the most and just fell in love with the area, fell in love with the people over there. Uh, and of course, Tackle Attic was around, so I kind of fell in love with the tackle store. And uh, the opportunity came up almost three years ago. Um, Jeff Root had owned it before Shane Campbell, and then Shane Campbell took it over. And he kind of approached me and said, hey, would you like to be partners in tackle at it and i'm like absolutely so we started talking numbers kind of got into it i ended up becoming half owner with shane and i kind of just stayed in the background just didn't really i guess you just say ghost investor or whatever you want to call it okay um and so then kind of got involved with him and then we've trickled down to this year shane actually decided he wanted to get out of it sold his half to brandon belt who plays for the san francisco giants and we're both former Texas Longhorns, and we had many conversations, and uh, I think this is going to be a great partnership moving forward. I'm excited about the opportunities and excited for the people around Rayburn that, that come there and get to see what we're going to do with the store. Okay, so he had the massive, uh, the massive team tournament on Rayburn. Was it earlier this year yep. or last fall? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this awesome. January or February. Yep. So it's it's you and Brandon then who are the owners of Tackle Adding now. Wow. Yes, sir. Dude, I did I didn't realize I, that. I, I, I just put all that together. I didn't either. I haven't been in there. I we haven't it, been to I mean, for a while. And most people don't know about it. Uh it's it literally just recently happened. It got finalized maybe 
I don't know, maybe a month, month ago, something like that, just before ICAST, actually. And uh, so, yeah, really excited about the opportunities. I mean, we're going to we're probably going to shut down the store for a week uh, here coming up soon and have a re-grand opening and everything like that. We're going to redesign the whole inside, all new displays. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a really cool deal, I think, for the people that come to the shop. That's crazy. So that's the only, I guess, retail or are there two tackle addicts or is that the one retail site right there uh, at Rayburn? So there used to be one in Livingston, uh, and then okay, there was this one at Rayburn. Uh, the Livingston one got shut down a few years back, and so now it's just the retail store there at Sam Rayburn, and online will be a big emphasis for us moving forward as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's an awesome store. It always has been. I just haven't been to Rayburn in a while, and then I ran into you at ICAST for just a second, and uh, you were talking to, to me about it and uh, telling me your involvement and. Like I'm like Matt, dude. It's like every year you get a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. I mean, dude, you can tell you truly love it, and uh, you come by it family wise too. I didn't, I didn't realize that your dad was a fisherman too, and I was, I was at Rayburn. This has been years ago, but I was at one of the tackle stores, and these two older gentlemen come in, and we were there fishing the team derby, I think, you know, um, a bass champs or something. Andrew and I were, and. Uh, and Upshaw told me, he said, yeah, said, that's Brian's dad. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, the whole family's like ate up with it. So that's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's truly a passion of mine for sure. I mean, it was, like I said, it started towards the end of my career, and I just kind of immersed myself into it into the point of, you know, then I started kind of getting to know the business and getting to know a lot of the fishermen and things like that. So the learning curve, I mean, from coming from a major sport that football was to learning how the business of fishing works was totally different. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it. I was a guy that jumped into it and was like, oh, yeah, I'll take a 50 percent off deal, you know, things like that. And then after talking to you guys and things and learning the business, it was like, ah, you know, and so you kind of back off and you kind of sit back and you learn things and then you start to immerse yourself into it. And it, it's been honestly like a breath of fresh air because just everybody gets along in this industry. I mean, I, I truly love it. I love the people that's a part of it. I love the fishermen. I mean, every one of them are just out there to have fun. And, and so I've, I've truly enjoyed it to the point that I have truly invested in the sport, uh, you know, monetarily and just, just from a personal standpoint. I mean, I'm, I'm invested in it. So you mentioned ICAST. Uh, I know you've, you've been to ICAST before just as a, I guess as a, as an angler or representing other companies and stuff, but were you there as a buyer this year then? I was there as a buyer retailer <laughs> this year. It's uh it was totally different, totally different. Absolutely. So, so for those who don't know, and we've had, we had a John Cruz on who did a show that kind of talked about the many different facets of I, ICAST. We've obviously had a uh, Ked Duke on to try to put it into perspective as it, but that's one of the major uh, parts of, of iCast is you have the companies that are there and then people who own tackle retailers at outlets like Brian go around and determine, hey, I, I want to I want to work with you guys to have this product in our store. And then that kind of starts that chain of moving product through the retailers, whether it's online, whether it's a brick and mortar business. So, I mean, you would actually go in, sit down, you'd see something, you'd say, man, I need that. We need that in the store. We, this needs to be in the store or you'd have meetings set up and then you'd go in and, and figure out how to work with that company to create a chain. So their product ends up in your store and then everyone makes money on it in the end, basically. Right. 
Yeah, pretty much that's the deal. I mean, you know, before ICAST even happens, you know, you're talking week, two weeks ahead of time, you're setting up meetings with, with a lot of these companies. And uh, then when you get there, you know, you may sit down and go into a room and, and actually talk about, you know, things that can help both, both sides. I mean, it, it ends up being a lot of ways, a partnership, like how do we help grow your brand? How do we help grow, you know, your brand as well? And then also everybody make money. Right. And so we had those meetings, but then there's also times where you're like doing your booking orders, you know, for six months in advance and you're trying to make sure that, you know, when spring rolls around, you got all this stuff in there. So there's a lot of moving parts that for me was, was the first time that I got to see this. Um, and the thing is, is when you're going there as just an angler or a media person or whatever, you got to get to look around and go look at everything and see everybody and talk to everybody. As a retailer, it was like, I did not have enough time. Like, if ICAST would have been a whole week, seven days, I still don't think I would have accomplished what I needed to accomplish. So <laughs> it uh, it was a totally different ball game. I was. This was my first ICAST running BTL, right? So like working on 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 meeting with companies and and that type of thing. And like I had never felt pressure before at ICAST. And like before my first couple of meetings, I was like, my, I'm literally sweating under the collar. Like before I went into these meetings, it, it was it was interesting to see it from the, oh, let's go see what's new. Let's do some media stuff for BTL or for, for Bassone and that as opposed to going there with a mission in business. And it kind of sets the next couple years for your business plan based on kind of how things go at ICAST. Well, if you think if you think that's pressure, you're going to look for money coming in. Well, Wait till you go there and you watch money going out. That that that's pressure. <laughs> what did you see? Did you I mean, find anything from, there? Uh, oh, we Sorry. we bought a lot of stuff there. Yeah, a lot of stuff. I mean, the very first meeting we had, we sat down with uh, I think it was Daiwa, and we spent pretty close to thirty grand with Daiwa. So um, it was a, uh, and that was literally the first one. So it, it, it's one of those deals that like you. You go there and you start putting together orders. You see that money going out real quick. That has to be rewarding, though, to to transition from the career that you're you you had as a, a professional athlete, and then be able to transition into. I mean, not just dabbling, but a career in something that is truly your passion now. I mean, there's not too many people that are able to that are able to have two careers in what their two true passions are. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's definitely very rewarding. It's a lot of work. Uh, you know, since I took over operations at Tackle Addict, it's been a lot of work. I mean, big undertaking um, just from a standpoint of going and getting inventory in, cleaning up books, things like that. It's It's been a huge undertaking. But, dude, it, you, you you always look for the future, right? What, what can this be? And obviously, you know, if, if anybody's been to Sam Rayburn, they know where Tackle Addict is. They know what type of store it is. They know that that turn that place there is, if not one of the top, it's probably top five top tournament places in the country. Um, so I mean, it's it's really a gold mine just waiting to happen, and and that's kind of my outlook on it. That was Brandon Belt's outlook on it. That's why I think our partnership is going to make so much sense, and I think it's going to be so much better for for that store. And we're just excited about you know bringing Tacklotic back to prominence where we think it belongs. That's awesome, dude. You know, you talked about having a lot of irons in the fire. So, like, we the tackle addict deal. Um, I know that the other day I, 
I pulled by your social media, which by the way, you do a phenomenal job on and you cover, you you cover all, all social medias. Like you've kind of got a love affair with TikTok, I kind of think, but um, you got the swag dress every day that you go through. That's definitely something different. Um, But dude, I saw you autographing uh, packages of hot dogs and then leaving them for care packages in Minnesota in a grocery store. I was like, what is he doing? What are you doing up there? So we, uh, last year, um, my sister-in-law's boyfriend is, uh, a partial owner of a Mac and cheese company called, uh, NYC Mac truck. And they started off as food trucks, things like that. And now they've gotten into the distribution, um, side of it as well. And so we are currently in the process of doing a deal with Hy-Vee where we will have, uh, it'll be probably end up being 13, uh, Twin Cities area locations that we will get the NYC Mac uh, macaroni and cheese into the stores. And this all started by last year when we got it into U.S. Bank Stadium. We had two small um, little vendor areas where we could sell mac and cheese and then this branched into the high V. So I was up there shooting some content, kind of teasing that, you know, the mac and cheese is coming to high V near you all that stuff. And basically I was like, man, I want to, I want to hide a package of Mac and cheese. And I'm like, well, where would I hide it? You know? And I'm like, well, my favorite food's hot dogs. So I'll just sign a package of Mac and cheese and I'll hide it in with the hot dogs and just tell everybody, Hey, my favorite food is hot. So you you get a free free package of Mac and cheese signed by Brian Robinson. I mean, (laughs) you know, it probably devalued the Mac and cheese, but who cares? Okay. So that was a package of Mac and cheese. I knew it was tied in with the hot dog. It, it was a, yeah. we got to be we got to be uh, we got to do it right here. It was a package of mac and cheese identifying as a package of hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was in the hot dog case. Yeah, that's what I saw. He said it was his favorite. Yeah. Food. Are you, Is that really your favorite food, by the way? Hot dog? No joke. Hot he dogs, had your man, choice of any meal. Really, dude? I'm the hot same dogs. way. What's your What's your dog? Are you a, a Nathan's guy? I, I'm interested. Like, name your top three top three hot dogs right now because I'm a connoisseur of this, Brian. Like, I mean, I, I well, I got into it mainly because of this, the rodeos. Right? You go to like three rodeos, yeah. and or if they're in the slack, like there's always vendors there. They always have dogs, and some of them are better than others. But you're, I mean, you can't go to a rodeo and not get a dog. But if you're buying a package, what yeah. are your your favorite dogs of choice? So, and, and, and some people will argue with me on this. I mean, I guess technically their sausages is my favorite, but the Johnsonville ones that have the cheddar already in them, the yeah. beef and cheddar. Yeah. yeah. Money. Nice pick. Nice pick. And then Those that's are, also my uh, second and third pick as well. Okay. So will you do the gas station dog too? You're not afraid of those? No, because those are the those best. Those are the juiciest. The the cheese and jalapeno one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, when you were doing that little, when you were doing that little skit about pick my favorite food, I was just looking at you, and I was thinking about how big you are, and I was thinking, dude, his favorite food is anything that's not nailed to the table. <laughs> you know, that he can get his hands on. Are you not a dog much. guy, Brad? Actually, I for dinner last night, I had two Nathans. But will you go into like there a a quick trip and get a and get a a cheese brat? Oh, yeah, dude. You will? Oh, the yeah. key there is I never get them on the front rollers. I always make sure I pick one from one of the back rollers. I just feel like there's less trucker breath on those. <laughs> yeah, I can see your point there. 
All right. If you're going for home, though, I'm really into this. This is exciting for me. You've got to try the... Uh, so, you know, like they had the Wahlburgers, like Donnie and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. They've got a Wahlburger hot dog that is absolutely, really? f- absolutely phenomenal. I think I've heard about this. I actually found them at Aldi's. Wow. Of all, of all grocery places, some of the Aldi's will have them in. It's kind of like Aldi's hot dog selection is kind of like TJ Maxx, right? You never know really what's going to be in there, but there's all sorts of different brand name brand yeah. name dogs. So the yeah. Wahlburger one is phenomenal, and then you can't go wrong with the Nathan's. So we may have to get together in Minnesota at some point because I don't know if you've ever been into a Hy-Vee, but Mark Wahlberg is actually like very prominent in Hy-Vee. Like he's got his his own little health food section and all this stuff. I did not know A lot that. of them have a Wahlburgers inside the Hy-Vee. So we could go and all have Wahlburger hot dogs together. Have you, you have With to have one cheese. of those. They are absolutely phenomenal. I, yeah, I'm, I'm game. I would try it. All right. Hot dog and NYC Mack truck mac and cheese. Done deal. All right. I, I do have a Texas versus Minnesota question here, but it's – about right. grocery stores. It's about grocery stores. So is the high V, how does the high V rate with, and why have I gone blank? What is that badass grocery store y'all have got in Texas? Oh, uh, I've been to them too. H-E-B? Uh, yes. H- how's the ranking between the H-E-B and the high V? They are that very, H- that- very similar. I would say the difference between a high V and a uh, and a HEB is 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 your high V's. They'll sell odd and end things. So like they actually some of them have a makeup section and a shoe section and a little bit of clothing. So they become a little bit more, um, I guess, all around brand, one stop shop. I guess is what you call it. Um, so they've got they've got a lot of different stuff as well. But yeah, they are very very similar as far as grocery stores. That HEB is impressive. I mean, impressive, dude. Impressive. Mm-hmm. Love those places. That's where we go in and spend. Too much money every time, but they've yeah. got their meat selections and a lot of the, you know, the Mexican influence and in the, with the, with the meats and already, you know, marinated. And it's just, it gets out of control quick when you walk in there. You've taught me a lot about yeah, for purchasing sure. for the, for the tournament week, especially with a lot of guys. I think the Brad, I think the most impressive thing you ever did was when you bought the, what was the? Did I you buy the fillets and the ribeyes? But I buy the whole one. thing yeah. and then cut them afterwards. Go into steak. yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you got a big group of guys and and it'll feed them well too, and they just taste better hand cut. Totally. Yeah, I would say right. uh, when I'm on the road for for tournaments, probably three quarters of my expenses is food. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tournament wise, um, what's does this does does your increased presence with tackle addict and what you're doing it, it impact your tournament goals as far as uh, what are your tournament goals now? I mean, you've been doing this five years. Uh, you, like I said, opens three or four opens Toyota series, the last five years in that Southwestern division. Do you still have a- aspirations of improving as an angler and taking it to that next level? Is it now a, just kind of a passion thing that you want to become a better angler? Because we all know the deeper you get into the industry, the less you actually get to fish. I'm kind of experiencing that right now, and it's a little bit of a, an internal struggle. You've kind of seen that, haven't you, Brad? Absolutely. Uh, but you're in that same boat now, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think for me... Being a professional fisherman was never really what I wanted to do. You know, I, 
I've been at the pinnacle of a sport and obviously I want to be good at it. The, the competitive mm-hmm. nature in me wants to be great at fishing and th- stuff like that. But I don't necessarily want to be away from my family. I got so much respect for how much time those guys spend on the road. Uh, guys like Bradley and, and you and, and all the professionals that I've made, they spend countless amounts of hours, miles and money on the road. Uh, so I have a huge respect for that. And so for me, I don't think that was ever the main goal. Um, I think for me, it was about becoming better as an angler, understanding, you know, the fish more. Um, I like to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I like to mentally test myself. And, and I think the best way to do that is not fishing the same fishery all the time, but fishing different fisheries. Um, like last year was an eye-opening experience with me fishing the opens, going to Lewis Smith Lake and Pickwick, places I've never been to that do not fish like most of the fisheries here in Texas. I mean, especially Smith Lake, that, that place – Fish is nothing like anything I've fished here. So that was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, I struggled with it, but I learned tremendous amounts of stuff just from a few days that I was there. Um, So for me, that's what it's about more than anything. Now, going to the aspect of me diving deep into tackle attic and kind of losing time to do the fishing stuff. Absolutely. You're right. I'm going to probably have to spend a little bit more time around the shop, things like that. But I also think, if you can get this shop to a point where, okay, it becomes self-sufficient, the shop is running itself. Um, then you give yourself a little bit more time to, to get out and start tournament fishing again, but you got to get, you got to get the shop to that point. And uh, once we do that, I think I'll have a lot more time to, to kind of go out. And, and the other thing I like about the aspect for me personally is, is hanging with the guys. Like I travel with a few buddies of mine. I travel with Lance Crawford, his son, Colin, Jeff Reynolds, uh, my buddy Shane Howe, and we all kind of traveled together for the Toyota Series this last year. And, dude, we had a blast. And, and for me, that's what it's about is being around the guys. Uh, obviously, I want to do well in the tournament, but just kind of having that camaraderie. And once you get off the water, being able to relax and truly just have a good time, uh, that that was what was special to me. Dude, I know, I know when you first retired from football, and I don't know – what derby it was but it was it was one of the coasters or an open or something i think it was a coast at the time toyota and ran into you um i was really excited to see you there and i was excited that you know you were really wanting to fish but what i was the most impressed with dude was the guys that you surrounded yourself with you picked a good group right out of the bag no doubt reynolds and that bunch and 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 that'll pay you dividends and it has up to this point man and um you know coming right out of the bag i was like yep he jumped in the right house for sure dude that's awesome yeah, it's uh, it's been awesome. I mean, Jeff, Jeff uh, has been very uh, instrumental in my growth as an angler. I mean, I'm still definitely not a great angler by any means. Um, I can catch them, but that doesn't mean I can catch them in a tournament. You know, and that's where I struggle. I can go out and catch them, but learning how to practice has been a struggle for me. And that has been something that I've talked to Jeff about a lot. Is learning how to practice and jeff jeff is a shallow water fisherman we all know that about jeff yeah um me i I, i'm not sure where i'm at yet and i think me and matt i think we talked about this last year was me trying to figure out what type of angler i am am i a deep guy am i a shallow guy and what am i am i am i one of those that is going to be versatile i want to be a versatile guy but that doesn't mean that that's necessarily what's in my wheelhouse so that has been a learning process. I've leaned a lot on Jeff on that. And then even my buddy Shane Howe, like we fish a lot. And he's a shallow water guy. 
And uh, we've talked a lot about things and we fish a lot together. And, uh, you know, he even he's kind of like, you know, you you can find them out deep because you just got to figure out what works for you. And so that's just kind of been the process that I've been trying to mature with and, and actually you know, figure out, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses and what what do I need to do in, in order to be successful in tournaments? That's well said. I, I feel the same way you do, Brian, except it's like kind of with, with having Brad and Andrew in the house for the last couple of years. Uh, and I think there's a lot that, that I've learned. Like, I mean, dude, you're talking about a, 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 in Andrew, Toyota Series champion, FLW Tour champion, first college angler in the classic, Brad, two-time uh, FLW Tour champion. I mean, there's not that many guys with two of them. Costa Series champion. You've done it at every single level. Elite Series FLW Tour. And there's stuff that the guys who have been at the top and who win do that they take for granted that you just wouldn't know or learn. It would take decades to learn that. And they just do it. It's ingrained into their system, their habits, the way they work. And, you know, it, it had, might not have anything to do with the style of fishing. I'm the polar opposite of Brad when it comes to fishing. I'm a, a limit guy, a spinning rod guy, a stay in it till the end. It's a war of attrition for me. Brad is muddy, shallow water, bull in a china shop, learn how to freak show. We end up at opposite ends of the lake most of the time, even though we talk during practice. But my learning has come off of the water where it's it's the guys who know how to put themselves in position to succeed. And I think that is critical in fishing. And obviously I haven't, haven't figured it out and it doesn't always work out for Brad, but when you're around those people who you know are doing it right and have gone through the trials and tribulations that cuts the learning curve down so rapidly. And, and then it allows you to become who you are as an angler, because you know, you're doing all the other stuff, right. That, that sidetracks and gets so many of the other anglers off course to where they're not even focusing on the right stuff. You get around those guys that know it's right. You know you're doing the right thing. Even if your your results aren't at the top, you know it's just a matter of time. And another thing is, it's like uh, just the natural instincts. And I, and I see that a lot with football, and I see it a lot with fishing, is you know guys that have been doing this for a while, you'll ask them, like, well, what made you do this? And he's like, I don't know. It just it felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. And that – that is the hidden piece to it to me that I think separates a good fisherman from a great fisherman is knowing when to follow that instinct, knowing when your gut's telling you to do something and you just do it. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but you just do it. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think Jeff, uh, from what I've seen is like, I've asked him questions about some certain things. He's like, dude, I don't know why I did it. It made zero sense, but for some reason my, my mind was telling me to do it and I just did it. And, uh, that is, that is something that I've seen a lot in football is, you know, guys will ask me, what made you think that this play was happening? I don't know. It just felt like that was going to happen. So I went for it. And that is a, that is a key to a, like I said, separates a good fisherman from a great fisherman is knowing when to follow your instincts and just when something feels right, just going with it. Yeah. Instinctual. Good stuff. We are talking with Brian. What do you want to be? Do you want to be an angler, a business owner, owner, a, Edit, what do you what would you say if someone had to say what your title was? What do you want to be like, like as we go to commercial? Like, <laughs> we're with Game Changer Brian Robinson. Game Changer. <laughs> All right, we could go with that. It's it's BTL on a Tuesday. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to go deep into this thing. 
I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, I was a I was the the beat writer, the head media guy for the PAA back in the day when they had Whoa. the when they had the tournament series. Yeah. When they had that. Now there's I've also kind of dove into the into the uh NPAA. There's some of these tournament organizations, but none of them do anything remotely close to what the NFLPA, the NHLPA, and the MLBPA, and all these actual professional unionized sports do with lots of zeros and lots of money on it. And for the life of me, I can't understand why we can't get something at the top level of fishing. I'm on a rant. I know we're supposed to be on a break. Why we can't do something at the top <laughs> level of fishing that is at least loosely similar to this that benefits all of the anglers from the top down and actually gives them a voice to do what they think is right so from the top down can succeed. That's what I want to ask you about because I don't know how much you can and can't go into it, but I want your thoughts on it because you've been in the middle of it with the NFLPA, and I want to see what your thoughts are for fishing. Did that make sense, Brad? Absolutely. All right, BTL on a Tuesday. We'll be back after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar. From chirp, side scan, and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96-inch wide-body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. We're just about ready to go, ladies and gentlemen. Get in order. Once again, Drew Cook is in the driver's seat. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear APCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, 
that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Welcome back, BTL, on a Tuesday. Texas is Brian Robinson, game changer, Brian Robinson. I don't know that would. That's a that's a risky term to use in the fishing industry nowadays, Brian. Game changer. Remember, everything was the game changer when oh. the trolling motors came out, and then they had a whole. I don't know who the first one that said it, but I remember Van Dam saying it. And like, it oh, he was... said game changer, and then they did the remix yeah. at the yeah. opening of the Bassmasters for it. And then, uh, and then Fat Cat did like a whole game changer <laughs> series. Remember what he did? Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. All right, I left on a rant. Am I way off base here, Brian? Like, what are the basics? How does the NFLPA work? Why do we not have a, a professional fishing players association that has lawyers and represents the anglers' interests and kind of puts these organizations' feet to the fire? Instead, we all like the guys I have on and I'm not at that level I would but they seem to just do a lot of complaining and then show up and fish anyway and pay their five thousand dollar entry fees yeah I mean it, I'll give you the cliff notes version of how it is so so for the NFL you, you kind of have a group of lawyers and everything that kind of lead the the NFL PA um, obviously Damari Smith is is kind of the head guy he's the president he basically <clears throat> he basically runs the show and then you have kind of you know, some tiered down guys that, that are, that are a part of that, whether it be former players, um, you know, guys that, that they put together as kind of that leadership group for the NFLPA. And then you have representatives for every single team. Uh, so you have basically two representatives for every team. You, you kind of have, I guess you'd call it like a, a lead guy and then kind of a secondary guy uh, for every team. And, uh, that's pretty much how it works. That's how all the decisions get made. That's how things are voted on. Uh, you know, any vote that comes to statute, it has to be a unanimous vote. So everybody has to be in agreement on it. Um, and and that's basically the Cliff Notes version of how it takes. Now, the other thing is, is like to be a part of the NFLPA, it's not cheap. I mean, the I'd say 99% of your guys are going to get in there. They're going to get dues taken out of their checks every every two weeks or whatever it is that you get paid. Um, it's not cheap, but in the end, a lot of times it's worth it. Now, there are guys that kind of opt out and they say, hey, I don't want to be part of it, whatever like that. Well, that's fine, but then you run into the issue of like, for example, if you fell a drug test, you cannot appeal because you have to be represented by the NFLPA. So if you fail a drug test, you fail a drug test, is done. You know, um, you know, so certain things like that, those, those are the advantages. Um, you know, but I think – I think for the fishing industry, uh, I think it would definitely be a great advantage uh, for the fishermen. I mean, I've said all along, especially over the last four or five years, getting to know these guys, like, why are these guys not getting paid before they ever step foot on a tournament scene? And I think this this sport, I mean, you look at, you look at the numbers as far as um, how many people watch, you know, the Bassmaster Series on – Fox sports. You, you look at how many people watch it online. You look at how many people are getting online, watching any of the MLF stuff. How come we haven't done that? How come we haven't broken into that scene yet to where it's like, Hey, these guys deserve to be paid before they ever. And I'm not talking sponsorships. I'm talking about like why we don't have a league that says, Hey, we're going to pay these guys X amount of dollars. 
Uh, and for every year you're here, you know, we increase that for your standings that you place here. We're going to increase that to this, you know, something like that. To me, the only way that happened, and listen, we've had this conversation before, but the only way that's going to happen is if there's one league that everybody, every sponsor in the industry, every business partner in the industry funnels their money to that. Uh, It's just too spread thin. So for me, it's like you could do a union, but then you're talking about splitting the union up in three different, four different uh, circuits. And, and how's that going to work? So, so that is the problem there. Number two, the problem is, is uh, with football, uh, baseball, hockey, guys are going strike, right? So there's a lot of guys that, that would be willing to go on strike where you have the issues with that and where it falls apart is a lot of times the guys that either haven't saved their money, new guys that are coming to the league that don't have money. They're the ones that want to cross the, cross the picket line first, right? Because they don't, they don't have the same benefits and the same luxuries as the guy who's been in the league five years has saved his money and has a, a loaded bank account. Right. So to me, that that's the other problem with the, with the fishing industry is, is a lot of these guys are living tournament to tournament. And their their livelihood depends on them basically cashing a check at the next tournament. So how are they supposed to go on strike uh, to get what they want as far as benefits and everything if they don't have the money? They don't have the money to pay their bills. They don't have the money to put food on, a fam- on the table for their family. I mean, so there's a lot of issues there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see it happen. I'd like to see this sport get to a point where it is recognized as a professional sport that the guys are getting paid for what they bring to the table. Um, and, and, and I think it's long overdue. The process, the problem is going to be getting guys, businesses, uh, the circuits, whatever you want to call it, basically getting everybody to buy in and say, Hey, we've got to make a change. And this is what's got to happen in order for us to get to that point. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, the more I, I try to understand this, the, le- the less pro- – this is not the right way to say this. I don't have an issue with having to pay an entry fee and, and, and make money based on your performance. Like I think it's an individual sport. So I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sold 100% on there should be a salary for everybody. Because I don't think the money is there in the fishing industry to justify that yet. Like the money's there in the big four, right? Because they're making money. That was what we were getting into the huge signing bonus deals and all that. They're making money off of every individual player with jerseys, sales, with the team. With the, I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars there. That does not exist in the fishing. I don't think the infrastructure is there to where the value is there as a whole for the field to be paid a salary. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind the competitive aspect. Now, now do I think it should, it, the percentage of your own, you know, I don't think I should be fishing against 80% of your money. I think there should be more money funneled into the field overall. So you don't have to have a salary, but you also don't have to finish in the top 5% to make money on it. But I don't, I, I don't have an issue with the no salary and fishing just because I think, I don't think it's big enough. I don't think there's enough interest. There's not. I mean, dude, it's like, what, 0.2%? Like, there's more Viking fans in the Twin Cities than there are that that follow professional fishing in the world. 
But Matt, you're also talking about 60 years of evolution, 100 years of evolution of football. When, right. when football in the NFL first started, there wasn't the money in it either. But it took somebody, an owner, that said, hey, I'm going to create this team. We're going to play this game. I'm going to pay the players this amount of money, mm-hmm. and we build up to this. I mean, it's not – that. that's the problem is, is guys, guys have gotten so ingrained to, well, this is just how it's done. You pay an injury fee, you go out there, you do well, you win your money. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it's going to take a special person or group of people to say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to form the whatever, okay? Let's just say Bass Fishers of America or whatever you want to call it. We're going to form this group, and it's five of us. We've got millions of dollars. We're going to pay each angler. um, We'll pay each angler $50,000, okay? And going into year two, if you finish in the top 10, we'll increase your pay to $75,000, and we're going to get all these people involved, you know, bass boat companies, fishing tackle companies, things like that. They're going to start funneling their money here. And then here's the kicker. We start gaining traction. Oh, now we're going to start putting our stuff on TV. Now you're talking money. And so that's where the money starts trickling down. But the problem is it's going to take a special group of people or a special person to say, hey, I'm not going to make any money off of this tournament trail. And it's, it's, it's all going to go back to the anglers. And until that happens, which probably, I, I don't know if it ever will, uh, I don't see guys getting paid for, for being professional fishermen. I think it's still going to be the same deal. You're going to have to go out and get your sponsors. You're going to have to do your deal now. I think there's ways to get these guys more money. I definitely think there's easier ways to do That's that. I think the players you union. Yeah, I think definitely what you're talking about there that would help tremendously on getting these guys more money and, and things like that. But my, my whole point on this is, is like these guys have such a big footprint on the sport of fishing that how do we get these guys to be recognized as professional athletes, true professional athletes. And, and Matt, me and you've had this conversation about rodeo. Like to me, it's like rodeo and fishing are, are very, very similar in a lot of ways in that we're ingrained to think, hey, got to pay an entry fee in order to win money, right? And, yeah. and they probably are the two people that are most passionate about their sport because they are the ones saying, I'm going to pay to play. Yeah, and you know, know that you're not going to You're not going to pay to play on Sunday. I mean, rodeo tried that with the ERA, the Elite Rodeo Association. I mean, they had the top, top tie-down and team ropers and the barrel racers and then the and then the, the – the standard and they got banned from it and the thing went went defunct in like a year i uh, yep because they kind of bet on themselves on that it was it's, it was kind of like a like a renegade league wasn't it and that's the other problem is when you do this you 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 separate yourself from everyone else and that is that is another whole issue i mean and that's why i say it'll probably never happen i mean i would love to see it happen but it, it probably won't happen I it's, think there's it, ways to make the sport better in a different avenue, but as far as making it what I'm talking about, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Yeah, Bo and uh, Bo and Brian pointed out. He said, "Wasn't that the MLF BPT for two years? I mean, they had no entry fees. They had to pay back for the full field like that. And guess what? They're they're back to entry fees. Uh, and yep, they've got like 
they got Kronky behind them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Kron- but they got once again, you've got you've got Kronky behind it who has a lot of money. But it's gonna come down to how long is Kronky willing to lose money to get to that point, right? Right. And most of those business guys like that, myself included. I don't want to see my money going out the window for three, four, five years. Like after two years, I want to see money coming back to me. And that that's what I'm saying. It would have to take a very, and I shouldn't even say very, an extremely unselfish person to say, hey, I'm going to sacrifice whatever I can to get it to this level. And nine times out of 10, you're not going to find that guy. Yeah. It has to be passionate about it. It can't be a side project that they'll say, hey, we're in this. And if we don't make money, we'll bail. It has to be like your passion project yep, well that's your sure. legacy and they have you have to ask somebody said this is i mean that's basically what flw was owned by right that's some of the rumors that came out of there was that that was a losing deal for a long time for him with erwin yes with erwin but it was his passion he and did he loved it right yep he loved it um i i, I just want to tie up a couple more loose ends here where i think like some sort of 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 players union or organization would be extremely beneficial uh, and like I said, I understand this is maybe a, I don't even think it is a pipe dream. I think it could be realistic. A, like, do you have a, I didn't realize that you had an option of opting out. Did you, Brad? No. I didn't. Option, I thought like once you made the NFL, you were like in the players, the players association, like it was in company. So like you have an option of not being a part of it. Correct. Yeah. You just I had don't no get clue any about of the that. benefits of guys that are a part of it. So you no know, appeals. Uh, and that's really the major deal. No appeals, no like. So if a guy gets suspended and he's opted out, sorry. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that at all. And what percentage would you say are in it? You said like nine. Uh, I mean, the vast majority. Oh, I would say, but like, I mean, you may have. I would say probably less than one guy per team. I mean, you, you're probably okay. talking about a very minute number of guys across the league that are not in it. Okay. Um. But this is where I think it would be incredibly beneficial. Best fishermen love to bitch, but they don't have any anywhere to go. So uh, we've had some rules and fractions come down the pipeline lately uh, or things like that. So that would be an issue. And if, if they have, then you could go to your the organization that you are paying for with the dues that has the lawyers. They're not tournament anglers. This is their job. They're not. Uh, they're not running a tournament organization. You are a member of this, and then they deal with it and go to the league on your behalf. Then, yeah, pretty and, much. I mean, and work it out. What are you smiling at? Because it all sounds hunky dory, but it's not going to be hunky dory. First of all, all those people that you're talking about require money. So that's right. more money that gets paid to someone else that's not the angler. But you're talking at the at the top. You just Brian just talked about a guy who's willing to lose money for five, six years for the betterment of the sport in the in the future. If you're at the BPT or the Elite Series level, this is your job, your livelihood, your career. You're not doing it for a year or two to get out of it. So you're investing into it to protect your livelihood and make it better for years to come. You're, you're I'm not losing in the you. short just, term for better gains in the long run. That's the Bri- whole Brian, point of the union. Brian, deal, isn't I was it? just I was just smiling, Brian. That's all I was doing. I got into this for smiling. <laughs> am I am I missing am I missing something here? Money. Need more money. There's not enough money. 
Doesn't that the union, wouldn't the Players be. Association union get you the more money because the organization needs those anglers to succeed? That's like saying finish. a guy that qualifies for the Elite Series through the Opens and then all of a sudden the money in the sky is going to open up and he's going to have all this money to pay his entry fees now that he's on the Elite Series. Like, it doesn't exist. You still got to come up with the money. Yeah. The, 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 the model that we're under, I agree with what Brian said earlier, that football, when it started, they didn't make money or they didn't make much money. And it's taken an evolution of 100 years to get there. And, and possibly with our sport and evolution, someone could come in, just like some of the things we've talked about with teams before. Actually, I heard this morning, I don't want to go down this long rabbit hole, but this morning driving to work, the PBR, so the, the bull riders, yeah, they're, doing their teams. they're doing the teams yeah. by so state. bowling. And, and the team works. That, that concept, I could see where that might have a potential of changing our sport, I know. possibly. I know I like it. I can't get behind the PBR I, team I, deal. I want to see the individual I, I, guy I know. go out I, like there say, and I did, the bull's ass. But. I don't want to get down that rabbit hole, but yeah. changing the whole dynamic of what we're doing could possibly change how the money comes in and how marketable Listen, it is. I'm just looking at this under it. Why do professional football players need a union? Now, insert fishing into this. The union allows players, anglers, to stand together and protect their health, rights, and families. The union was for blah, blah. They used combined strength of force with owners to provide basics like clean uniforms, safe equipment, represent players' interests during negotiations for the next CBA, uh, uh, increase share of revenue, expand roster size, salaries, health and safety, rookie contract bonuses, and more. Like, if everyone's on it together, you could get the payouts changed. If you got everybody that's willing to park it, like Bass, MLF, even the the NPFL, for-profit organizations, right? These guys aren't like out there volunteering out of the goodness of their own hearts. They make money, right? So you have to have, it's two, two people, right? You have them trying to make money and us trying to make money from them, and you have to make it a symbiotic relationship. So they're going to have as much, as much as they can get away with, rightfully so. It's capitalism and business. I, and we've sat here, you know, I'm not like saying it's I, bad right I, now. I, I'm just saying as anglers, you sit there and you go, Damn, the Opens pay one in six back, and you don't get your entry fee, and only 40 guys get paid no matter how many's in it, and it's 16200 and they say, that sucks. Here's my entry fee. I, I, I know where, That I, makes no sense. I know, where, I know the path you're going down. I've actually been involved at a meeting one night before the day of a tournament, and there were many disgruntled anglers. And they just I mean, stand up and complain and, and then pay it, their entry Well, fees. it was, though. Well, we're not going to show up in the morning and this and that, but that never came close to happening, ever. Never, and and everyone was pretty upset for a pretty good reason at the time, but it didn't happen. They couldn't join together as a group, ever. Yeah, so if you've got an issue, Brad Robinson, play for the Minnesota Vikings, you go to the NFLPA, and you have all these resources, and you know that you have people that are going to stand behind you and lawyers and a, and a structure, right? That's right, but once again, <laughs> we're talking about the evolution of how many years that the NFLPA was involved. I'm sure it wasn't like that in the beginning. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing is, too, is is kind of going to what, what Bradley said is, you know, we want these changes for the betterment of sport, but that doesn't mean that if we make these changes, it is going to better the sport. I mean, it could weaken the sport uh, in a lot of ways. And it, it could it could cause a split. Um, you know, there's, so there's always that to think about. But I definitely think if you could get – Let's just say 20 anglers. You could get 20 anglers that would be on the same page um, and start something like this. Um, 
And as I'm explaining this, it sounds a lot like what we've seen in years past, right? So, right. I mean, that's kind of. But we've seen this. Yeah, we've yes, seen we've this. Seen this. So yes, it, we it's have. It's a matter of it's a matter of having guys that are strong enough to keep that held together, and and truly make those sacrifices in order to do that. And I guess it, in a way, and and I'm not disagreeing with anything anybody's saying, but it does. One thing you can said, feel free I, to. I love disagreeing. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think <laughs> I think the one thing that Bradley said was it takes money, uh, and it takes yeah. a lot of money. Uh, people don't realize when you're talking lawyer services and things like that, and you want to hire somebody to be the head of your union, and it's a lawyer, it's going to cost a crap ton of money. And we're talking a crap ton of money that I would say 90% of these anglers, even though everybody thinks they are making buku money, 90% of these anglers don't have that extra money lying around. That makes sense. I mean, my whole thing is if this, if this had been in, in a structure and in existence, I don't think there would have been a split in 2019 because Bass would have had, I agree. would not have been forced to make changes because all the guys left and they started the BPT. They would have been able to go to Bass and Bass would have been forced to make the changes in the same way. But because the, the Players Association, the Anglers Association held them to it, it would have prevented the fracturing. Now, there probably would have been contention there, but I mean, there was so much that changed after that split in 2019. That the, they, the anglers went, you know, the 95% of them went to MLFBPT because they're saying, hey, we'll do all these things that you've been clamoring for, the payout structure, the tournaments, the actually all that stuff that, that Bass wasn't doing because they didn't have to and right. you were still paying the entry fee. If this had been established for a long time, that would have been negotiations behind the scenes. We'd have done a couple shows about it. They'd have reached an agreement and we'd have been on our merry way with everyone still with Bass, in my opinion. No, and, and I agree with that. I think uh, I think the other thing that that we're kind of missing here, and it just kind of dawned on me, is when you're talking about Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, what other organization is there to compete with them? Well, well there, there wasn't, isn't. but the NFLPA kind of came they about when the, there was the USFL and the correct. merger with the NFL back in what mm-hmm. the seventies, yeah. yeah. And they pushed hard for a while. Yeah, there was correct. some competition there. Mm-hmm. But no, you're but right. I mean, I'm you guys are the only is, show in town. With, yeah. What, what I'm saying is with fishing, there's so many. I mean, if you're not happy with one, you just walk to the other. You know, and and, and that is, to me, that's the missing piece is, is when you're talking about, you know, especially with, with MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, like there's not a competing league out there. Like if you're not – in, in those organizations, you're not the top of the top. Mm-hmm. And and with bass fishing, like, there there's truly, I mean, at least two organizations that you can look at that say they, they can be considered top of the top, you know? And then there's other organizations. I mean, you don't, I mean, the, the sport of bass fishing, like, there's guys down here at Rayburn that could be considered top of the top, and they don't even fish, you know, what I consider true professional leagues. 100% agree with that. Uh, one quick question. Uh, we'll fin- wrap this up. Uh, Jeff. I'm sorry to really, actually... to really disappoint you on your union. I'm sorry, Matt. No, no, no. I you're not disappointing me at all. 
dude, I'm all about. I think it would be this a great idea, though. I mean, if we can whole make show it work, is about I mean, discussion. Discussion. This has been a. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Like that's the whole point of the show. Like it isn't. It isn't right or wrong. It's just to bring up discussion, make people think, get involved with it, kind of understand some of the things. That's why you're the perfect. You're the perfect soundboard for this. Like I mean, you have been there and done that and understand how it works. And now we're in this industry too. That's why I was really excited when I got on this. I was like, I need to text Brian and get him on. Cause I got fired up over it over the last couple nights. And you were the guy who puts that into perspective. It's a beautiful show. I think it would be huge. Let me, let me end, end it with this. I think it would be huge for the professional fishermen in this industry to get, get basically make that leapfrog. It would just be a matter of if, a, you could gather the amount of money, and B, if you could find a group of guys that would be strong enough to hold together under any amount of pressure that that comes down on it. Uh, there's a question about why the PAA didn't work uh, back in the day, and there you'll get ten different answers from ten different anglers. But in a nutshell, nutshell, uh, I, I think it was because they ran started running tournaments instead of just representing the anglers they had their the, they had their own tournament circuit right yeah there was there which was a- brings in a lot of sponsorship and a lot of of individual interests in it and instead of just being an angler representation group they actually kind of competed against FLW and Bass in that way uh yeah were maybe. you a member of that i was actually a part owner yeah what yeah, lost money in that gig. <laughs> well, you've got a Florida speak on it. Why didn't the PAA work, Brad? <clears throat> many, many reasons. It wasn't just one. Is there a is there a hundred different reasons? Nutshell answer, a synopsis. Well, I mean, it is where the MLF was spawned. The idea came from mm-hmm. that group, and that's where they are today. Well, there you go. That's probably it in a nutshell. That's part of it. There was a lot of things. There was a lot of things. All right, let's let's. I, I'm with Brian on the union deal, and I mean, there's there's a lot to that, but God, I understand the conversation. But I, I yeah, I, don't, I know we're I moving on. Do it. you have time for one more short segment, Brian? If you have to go, that, that's fine. I can I can hash it out with. Uh, I've Brian. got all the time in the world. I don't have nothing going on in my world, Matt. The uh, <laughs> the, the last segment's actually what I'm so excited to, to actually yeah. have walked in here this morning because it was just by chance. I actually had to call Matt this morning and be like, Hey, who you got on? I was like, perfect. You've got another iron in the fire that we haven't even discussed yet. It's probably the favorite one that I want to talk about. I'm excited for you about it. Um, be sitting up on the, are you going to be in studio? Is this correct? Well, we were teasing it for a break. We got to get in one okay. more break before right. we get there. Let's That's get it. Let's oh, get oh, it. Oh. You good? Yeah. You can talk about it. Yeah, I can talk After the about break? It. All right. Yep. BTL on a Tuesday with Brian Robinson. I got fired up. I might have taken that segment a little bit too long, but it's not too often you have someone that actually knows the answers on like a legitimate players union, no, right? I, I, yeah, dude, so I'm going to ask experience. all the questions that have frustrated me for the many years because I'm not a business guy, Brad. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't really get that. I'm not afraid to ask dumb questions as we've shown there, over the past 12 years on this show. No dumb questions on this show. BTL on Tuesday. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. 
What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at bigbitebaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well-suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and 5-0, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. We're back. BTL on a Tuesday from the studio in Moore, Oklahoma with... Brian Robinson talking all things fishing. A little business talk there. I want to dovetail the final segment. I told Bradley, I said, I'll give you the floor to get into the goods. This is going to be an interesting segment, but I do want to touch on this first. Um, dude, you're in the industry now, so I'm sure you know, and especially down in Texas, it's a hot topic. High school fishing absolutely exploding. 
I mean, no doubt about it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of boats on Texoma and Rayburn and Toledo Bend, and every school has it, and it's a it's a big deal. And I think it's it's awesome. Do I think it needs to be restructured a little bit? Absolutely. But I've already had my rant for the day. We won't go into that one today. But it's phenomenal. Why do we not have a one, two, three, four, five star ranking at the high school level? Because now you know, look at this last. You know, you've got uh, Wheeler and Ebear, and you've got all these guys that are top now. Like everyone in the pros started fishing college for the most part. That's coming up. College fishing is big. We just had the national championships going on there. Why is it? Why do we not have a ranking system? Like you had to have a number of stars coming out of high school. It creates a little generate generates some interest. You got Texas. Look, you got all these. Why do we not have that at the high school fishing level? I would say, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't know why we don't. I mean, I, I think there's reasons why. Um, I would say number one is when all that started, I think people had the mindset again of subscriptions, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think that would be number one. Would mm-hmm. there be enough people to eventually subscribe to a Max Preps or a uh, uh, what Rivals or something like that for bass fishing? Um, because if you think about it, like that has become like – big time in football. Like when I was coming out, like it had kind of just started a little bit. Uh, of course I wasn't a five-star athlete. I was a three-star athlete. Uh, so big deal that made. Uh, but regardless, it's one of those deals that now people like, they truly get into that. Like um, it has become a huge deal. And so I, I mean, I really don't see why if you couldn't get enough people together that would be interested in that to, um, kind of start paying attention to that stuff, like figuring out who the, the big time high school fishermen are. I mean, I think there'd be some people that would pay attention to something like that. Bradley, you've, you've dabbled in the high school game. You kind of have a feel for that. You also follow recruiting incredibly heavily. Do you yeah. think there is a market for that? Well, you know, I mean, it, uh, like he said, it's going to be subscription based and that's where those guys started making their money in the beginning. Um, I, I don't know where the interest would be, but yeah, I mean, somebody, it would just take somebody picking up the reins to be like, all right, I'm going to start looking around the country and see who all's doing what. And you'd start the same way they did in football, look at stats. You know, eye-popping stats is the first place you're going to look, but then, you know, you're going to need um, some evaluation, which is what's going on today that's kind of different in recruiting than when Brian was was at his his high school career. Um, they, they, they've spent a lot more times in camps. They get a lot more eyes on good, on good, high, high, high quality kids or what they think are high quality mm-hmm. kids, good on good in camps. Um, the kids today go to a lot more camps. I'm right about that, aren't I, Brian, than what you guys did. Uh, oh, yeah. Day. Oh, yeah. So so they get a lot better evaluation now, and so those recruiting rankings are a lot more consistently correct. I mean, they still miss a lot. Um, Brian will agree with me on that. Um, there's a lot to that. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's cool. It's an interesting idea. Because here's my here's what I think is interesting. I have a difficult time following the high school stuff because if it says national championship next to it, I know it's a national championship, right? But otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what's an important tournament, what's not, what's going on. I also follow the the collegiate fishing scene. I'm a OU grad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's a ton of Oklahoma grad. Like you remember, we used to wear our OU fishing stuff to the football games at school, and people would go nuts over it. Where do I get that? How do I get that? What? Right. There's a lot of 
boosters that are willing to give money to organizations. I don't understand why there hasn't been a bigger push like Texas. Like there should be, there are tens of thousands of Texas graduates who are hardcore bass fishermen around the country right now who have disposable income, who have good jobs, who would love to see a really strong Texas collegiate fishing program. But there's really no starting point to get into it. You really want to start building these things. Why not get some of these boosters involved? Why is there, you know, you get the 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 Red River shootout and it's it's pride versus pride. Well, now you could do that. You could actually have a stake in it as a person. You don't have to spend millions of, of dollars to be a high-level booster. And you can grow the Texas fishing program yeah. by a part of getting anglers to go there. You can grow the OU. You can grow these big programs that there are so many alumni on. And that feeds more into the system. It feeds more money into it. It puts more emphasis on it. It puts everything into perspective. And it creates... A, a much easier to follow path to the top and prepares these kids by the time they do get to the opens, the elite series and the pro circuit because they've been funneled into the system because they've been recognized as talent at a young age. Well, if anybody would like to start out the company, I would volunteer for a paying job, paying job. <laughs> this is a Jeffrey's of, concept. He of, asked me of, about of, it. Of scouting. I, I think I could do some scouting. I even know some areas of the country to pick out. I've already got some kids in mind that uh, would get some high stars already definitely don't even have to see them in camp i know i've seen them already <laughs> you can tell eye popping jump out brian tell us about your new gig dude longhorn network big deal big big deal tell us about it yeah super excited about it um uh, been working on this for a couple of years ago covid kind of messed it up um and finally came back around full circle I will be officially on Texas game day uh, on the Longhorn Network for pretty much all the football games. So I'll be a pregame, halftime, and postgame analysis on a panel of four of us. It'll be myself, Michael Griffin, Fozzie Whitaker, and Lowell Galindo. Um, So super excited about that. Can't can't wait to do it. Dude, that that is so awesome. Is that something that you think that career-wise, a direction? Because I know that, uh, dude, you're going to be really good at it. I know that right up front. Like, you're going to be really good at it. Is that something that you think that you might go career-wise going forward, along with everything else that you're doing? If it was feasible for me to do it, uh, like for me, going to Austin, it's an hour and 45 minutes from my house. I drive over there. Um, I'm there for a production meeting on Friday. We do the game day on Saturday. And – you know, other than that, it's just kind of watching film here and there. Um, if it was something that I could feasibly keep something like that, uh, I would definitely be about it. Now, if it's something that I got to go halfway across the country for, or I got to go here and go there, I don't know if that's something I want to do. But it's funny, my wife actually, from the day I retired, she was like, "You need to do, you need to do this, you need to do this." And I think I just, for me, I wanted to just separate myself from football totally. Like, you know, I'd done it for. 31 years of my life and I just was I was just was ready to you know do something else take my mind off of it and now I'm starting the probably the last couple years I've started to get that that kind of hunger back for football and I think this gives me that opportunity to kind of get back in touch with things and uh be able to talk about it I I I get that burnout deal a couple buddies that I have that, that play football not near at the level that you played it but played for a long time and through college and they don't even want to discuss it like they just want to talk fishing and I don't want to talk fishing. I just want to talk football. And, uh, but I get that and I understand it. I mean, 
you spent a long, long time in the league, dude. Um, a lot of respect for that. I know what that is. I know that that is a that is a monster of a beast and a huge accomplishment that you you've got in your life, dude. I, I think it's great. I've seen some of the guys here. Dusty Dvorak did it. He was basically played same positions you did there on D line uh, here at Oklahoma, and and his career has gone on. But he's doing the things that you're talking about. You know, he's traveling, working for ESPN, working different games around the country, and flying and having to move around. I know that's part of it, but I know. Just from watching you and your personality and how outgoing you are, dude, I agree with your wife. It suits you. It really does. So, you know, I also understand the burnout factor. I, I get that and, like, wanting to do something else in life, and I totally understand that too. But, man, I wish you the best for it. I, I can't wait to watch you. I, I will be – I don't know that I would ever tune into a Texas game <laughs> ever in my life. Uh, but now that I know that you're on there, I may try to find you to watch. Seriously. Did we lose oh, him? I think. Oh no. Yeah, and back. I mean, I mean, for me, it, uh, yeah, I'm back. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much a burnout. Fact. I think it was more hurt. You know, it was, uh, it was. You know, you do something for 31 years of your life. I mean, you get kind of accustomed to to having that be a part of your life, and just kind of um, the way it ended and everything like that. Um, I think I truly missed the game a lot more than I thought I did. You know, when I first retired, and it took a couple of years. I mean. Even going to games, like, up until maybe, I don't know, maybe last year was the first year that I think I went to a game and didn't get kind of emotional. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that part of it was more more so than anything. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm glad it came about. Um, I, like I said, my, my wife was probably my number one motivator on getting that going. Uh, and I had numerous people over the years tell me the same thing. So, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be great. Um, and I'm excited to talk about Texas football again. Hopefully we do better I, than we did last year. I'm a, I'm a lost case here because all I can think about is that you're going to miss the fall topwater bite. <laughs> Dude, do not think that I have not thought about that a hundred times. I'm like, really, Brian? What? Like, come on. Dude, it is the worst. So, like, we you know, been in the Opens for the last two years. It is – like, that is my main drive right now to get on the Elite Series. That is it. My wife and I were talking about it last over, night over dinner. Miss OU games. I was like, if I get on the Elites, they're done in August. Wait a second. Like, can you not uh, Can you not tow the rig down there? Isn't Austin like a powerhouse fishery? Doesn't it have grass, top we have, water, We have tournaments. Baits? We have tournaments every si- – OU Texas, we got a derby. Yeah, but – Got a you, derby. Are you going to – where's your – are you going to be in Austin? Yeah, I'll be in Austin. Well, you got Lake Austin right there. Oh, you got yeah. lots of lakes. You got Lake lots Austin, of lakes. Lake lakes right What's the yeah. big one? We just had we had a we had a big tour event there. Uh, Travis, Travis is right there next to Travis. it too. Really close, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Man, that's a gorgeous lake. Yep. Gorgeous. You ever fish? You Travis? got some good lakes around that area. I mean, there. I'm sure there'll be some times that I'll tow down there and go take a couple guys out or something like that. But. Um, but yeah, the, the problem is going to be is okay. I got my kids in school Monday through Friday. I got, you know, I got to be in Austin Friday for production meetings, Saturday for for game day. Wednesday is a conference call that we have to have every week. So it, it's a it's a lot going on. Plus, oh, that's right, I'm running a tackle shop. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh it's one of those that I think my fall schedule is going to be so booked up that I may not have a ton of time to fish, but 
I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how the first couple of weeks go. And then once I kind of get ingrained into what's going on, that may be somewhere I'm like, hey, that production meeting is over on Friday. I'm heading to Lake Austin or I'm heading to Lake Travis. Like, let's yeah. go. Yeah. You're going to have to build that into the contract. One, one fishing day. One fishing day. Is moving one to Austin day. an option? Is moving to Austin an option if you really got into this a couple, a few years? <sighs> I mean, I think moving anywhere is an option. Uh, but probably not. Um, I, mean, you get the horses I, I like where the I'm at because it, it's not that long of a drive for me. I mean, I can make it yeah. to Austin in an hour and 45 minutes. Um, yeah. but I don't know. I like where I'm at. I like where I'm at. I, I get it. All right. So one football question for you, since you're studying up on Texas, this is a simple one. I'm going right. to leave it out there and just give you a guess. Cause I think it's probably 50, 50 anyway, but maybe you got some insider who takes the first snap in 16 days, we're 16 days away from the very first football game of the season. Who takes the first snap at Texas? It's going to be tough. Uh, I think it's literally going to come down to the last day of camp. From what I've seen so far, I would say probably Hudson Card. Uh, and, the, and the reason I say that is when I watch them in practice, I have not seen either one of them really separate themselves from the other. And for me, that that's going to fall back to a guy that the coaching staff is more experienced with. Uh, when you got two guys that are even like that, it's going to be a guy that you have seen day mm-hmm. in, day out for the last two years, right? So I think it's going to fall back on Hudson Card. Uh, after week one, I think they'll probably reevaluate. They'll see, uh, but they've got to have they've got to have their minds made up by the time we get to Alabama on week two. So. Um, it'll be interesting, but I think as of what I've seen right now, there's not any separation between the two of them, so I think it's going to fall on Hudson Card. I agree with you. I like the guy. Two years in the system. It's good stuff. Anything else you want to get in here, Brian? Man, I guess the last thing I would say is uh, just kind of wrapping up with the whole tackle addict deal. I mean, I think, uh, like I said, we're, we're really excited about that, me and Brandon. Uh, we're going to, like I said, re we basically renovate the whole store. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to get new displays in there. We're finalizing that stuff now. We're getting a lot of new products that we've never had before in there. Um, we're going to actually have a JDM section in our store, which will oh, be huge. Wow. I think. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. So we're doing that. And then online emphasis will be a huge emphasis for us moving forward later this year and into 2023. We already have a website, but we're going to revamp that website, totally make it over. And then probably the biggest emphasis will be our apparel. Uh, we're going to make a huge push with our apparel and stuff like that. So if you guys are in the Rayburn area or uh, end of the year, you get to start checking out tacklelag.com. We, we'd love to have all of our uh, current customers, our old school customers that have been around for a while, and, and any new customers. We're, we're really excited about where Tackle Addict is heading. Wow, fantastic. Also want to get an update on the Real Amin Foundation. Yeah, so trying to figure out if I'm gonna have time to do Real Amin Foundation because <laughs> that's usually your um, football. I would season, love to do it again next year. I think with us taking over the tackle shop, I don't know if that's going to be really feasible for next year. But um, still, it's 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 on our minds. We definitely want to do it. Um, you know, we're probably going to support Brandon on most of his endeavors this year with with his stuff going on. But uh, definitely want to get that back involved if we can in the in the future, and um, we'll see what happens. All right. Also wanted to give you a shout out. Uh, very impressed with the quality of your uh, videos out on on uh, your fishing channel. Well done. I enjoy watching those. Uh, 
And dude, I, I don't think people realize the amount of time and money that it takes. Brad does, and I do. But the amount <laughs> of time and money that it takes to put out a, a quality, concise product, uh, and that's something that you've been doing for a long time along your fishing journey. So uh, definitely, if you haven't checked out Brian's uh, fishing channel, you know, you're obviously famous for the 96 questions and what you do with all that. But the, the straight up fishing, there's one thing I'll say in, in close. You can't fake passion. Uh, and one of the things that I've been impressed with you is, is I've seen you on the water. I've seen you uh, at the Classic. I've seen you at iCast. I've watched your videos. And uh, the passion is consistently there in the industry. And that's one thing you can't, you can't fake. Uh, and that's, uh, that's been really cool to, uh, to watch over the last couple of years, Brian. Man, I appreciate that more than you know. I mean, you know, the one thing I never wanted to be known as was a guy that just jumped from football and went to fishing and just was there because he wanted to be there. Like, I truly have a passion for it. So to hear that from you, man, I I appreciate that more than you know. Awesome. Awesome. Brad, anything else? Dude, just loved having you on. Love the conversation. Love everything that you got going with the Tackle Addict and all that. I mean, dude, just incredible. Incredible. Yeah, maybe we'll – Maybe when we get ready to have the grand opening, you can come down there and do a live show. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, we mm-hmm. are definitely going to be bumping that joint, so we definitely October. will be there in October. All of us. We'll bring the whole gang. The whole Bassmaster group will be there. Stock up. There you go. We'll, we'll He'll be in Austin. <laughs> He'll be in Austin. Yeah, you'll be in Austin, and we'll be down there fishing. I will be in Austin the weekend, but I'll be there during the week. Oh, good okay. point. All right. All right. See you, Brian. All right, guys. Thank you. That was Brian Robinson. And, uh, you know, one of the things on BTL is I hate just having people on for the sake of having people on, right? Because right. they're fa- I want to have a reason. And, like, Brian has a reason to be on. Like, that's why I've liked having him on. He's not just a dude who played football who likes to fish now. He has, you know, valuable insight, resources, and skin in the game in the industry. In many different is- ways. Like, as yeah. an angler, as a business owner. Um, like I say, he, he's, he's worked really hard at the social media side, um, from day one. So did I push the players union thing too hard? No, I think it was something you were interested in and it's a, it's a, Hey, that's what this show is about. Let's go down rabbit holes business wise in the sport. Of I'm not saying it's the right fishing. thing. I'm just saying, I want to understand why it either is the right thing right. and hasn't been right. done or right. that it's not the right thing and why it isn't. I just don't know that it's a viable option. We're not even anywhere close to it being a viable option right now with the way that the current structure is. I would agree with that. Hold on. What was that? There we go. We got children in the background. No, I was, I, I got into it, but I didn't ever drop. Brian from the stream. Oh, <laughs> so, so we did have children in the background. There was children in the back. They did a good job of getting, uh, of getting, uh, of being quiet that whole time. Like I said, I, I asked him for about a half hour, and he, dude, we went a full hour. Awesome. Um, that's also a, especially in today's time, that's a, a huge undertaking. Yeah, half owner of the tackle shop, especially with uh, with another professional athlete. Yeah. I mean, dude, it it's not like you just like go play do your stuff i mean that's a, it's insane i know to, to reach that level like i don't under i don't see how they won't be successful in it oh i don't either and they're in a great location yeah and it's online presence they're talking about revamping and and, and that's something tackle addict as as needed um it sounds like he's got a great game plan it's going to take a lot of work um dude i know that he's not like as pumped about his broadcasting 
uh, as, as some of the others, but I agree with his wife a hundred percent. That guy's just a natural at it. I, yeah. I, I hope he gets in there and starts to really enjoy it. Cause I got a feeling it may open up some more doors for him. And, and, you know, talking a lot about the, the hard work and putting your time in, I'm sure that started with what he did, you know, which was his passion, which was doing the 96 questions with interviewing everybody on the Minnesota Vikings channel and all that. And you well, never know what you start, right. what it will lead to, but right. I'm sure that had to be some sort of foot in the door. Yeah, and I don't think it's a very difficult. It's it's very much like we come in here and talk about fishing. It, it's not it's not something that yes, there's prep work. Yes, there's ideas that get bounced around so you don't just go all over in a show. But it's still very natural to sit down and discuss and to come up with thought processes of interesting things or different outlooks like we do here or you do here on a regular basis. Easy to do, and I think. I could see the same thing for him broadcasting live. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there is breaking news. I did see it, and I checked it out. Uh, just posted on Bassmaster.com. Clark Wenlet out for the remainder of the season. Wow. Uh, he, he was uh, at Oahe uh, and suffered a retinal hemorrhage in his left eye. Um, he said, I couldn't see out of it. Everything was really blurry. Couldn't read numbers, nothing. I could see a shape. And that's about it. So they went to an eye clinic in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, where they recommended that he saw a retina specialist uh, on Monday. So he's currently, this has some implications. Obviously, who, who cares about Angler of the Year and stuff when it comes to the health of, of, uh, of mm-hmm. Clark? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was 43rd in the uh, Angler of the Year race. Man. So right on the, uh, right on the classic bubble there. Lake Travis guy. We were just talking about Lake Travis. He said it doesn't hurt, and he doesn't feel bad. He I bet he this. is. The competitor that he is, I bet he is burning to get back out there. Yeah, especially on some fisheries where he thought thinks yeah. he probably thinks he would do. Uh, Not being able to see is scary, man. That's would scary. do really well. That's scary stuff. My mom has uh, histoplasmosis, and it always, always settles in the lungs, but hers settled in the eye, so she's been blind in one eye for 35, 40 years. I think she got it from chicken coops when she was a little girl growing really? up. In Illinois, yeah. That's a tough thing. Yep, so she has nothing. I mean, she just has blurry out of one eye. But I'm always I'm always scared now. Um, and I've only done it a couple times since then, but after taking that ounce and a quarter tungsten to the cheek and seeing yeah. what that did down yeah. in Florida. Yeah, that's a dangerous uh, animal. You know, and then I was talking with uh, John Canada, and he's like, yeah, you know, I got all my teeth knocked out. And you've mm-hmm. talked to guys who've had, and I know guys have lost eyes doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're one hook set away. You are. Those things are dangerous. I've been a little timid since then. There's got to be a proper way to do that to where your hook set is not. I mean, obviously, you're not intentionally, but there has to be a way to where you don't put yourself in jeopardy of that on a hook set. I don't know. The one thing I do know is the glass lenses, beware. Beware. And they do shatter. I would love to promote the show tomorrow, but it'll be a mystery show. I don't know who who to have on yet. Like I said, it comes natural. You've been doing it a while. I got a feeling you'll figure it out by tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll figure something out. I always love it when you uh, when you come in studio, Brad. Uh, much appreciated. Add a yep. uh, add a, a definite uh, element that uh, that the listeners that the listeners like. I enjoy coming in. So, oh, you did get one negative review though. I got to read it. Okay, I'm sure it was about talking about football. No, 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 no. It was uh, it was the volume thing. Again? Yeah, it was great, though. I laughed at it. Too I, loud or too no, quiet? I got to find it here one second. Uh, Blowing them out. I'm rubbing this thing like a square bill down a down a laydown. I know. You did, you're doing good. I need to sort it by newest. 
for the love of God, Bradley, talk at a steady volume. I'm constantly having to adjust my volume because you start off the sentences loud and then trail off into a late night radio voice. He's right. <laughs> he's right. No, he, he's 100% right. So like when I'm editing my videos and I start a video of anything that I work on, I start out and it's like screaming and then he's correct. It trails off and like, because you know when you can see the audio mm-hmm. on, on the stuff that with the software that we edit it with, he's 100% right. I got is that is that one gone? Oh no, this was the one that I called you at. I like I I read all the questions, right? I'm all about I had a, a hockey coach one time. We started off 15 and 0. And then we lost 9 straight. And we were the f- new junior team in town and stuff and the sports guy would write about how amazing we were. 15 and 0 expand. Then he started right. writing about how trash we were after 9 games and we were like, "Ah, screw that guy and stuff." He goes, "Well, he had a big meeting. He had the papers from the first 15 and then the last 9." He said, well, you guys didn't think this guy was a, a a jerk or an idiot and clueless when he was writing how great you were for 15 and 0. He's like, but now you're dismissing all of the negative stuff he's saying about you after losing nine. He said, you can't you can't just take yeah. the positive and take it to heart and then dismiss the negative. Yeah. He said, you have to look at it objectively. Each one is equal, whether it's positive or negative. You're just adding connotation to it. Negative is just as valuable as a positive, right? It's all feedback. It's all information. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's kind of how I take the take the feedback on the comments. I like it. I mean, that's that's fine. Dude, wanna, I, I know that they're spot on. I, you want right. to give a two-star review, it, it sucks, but have at it. Like, you don't yeah. think it's a, the show's as good without Mark? It's a totally different show. It's opinion. It's a valid opinion. Like, I totally agree. There are times when I was like, man, I wish Mark would be here to be able to... Argue and scream with? Yeah, argue, scream, have his business <laughs> ideas. He, has, he conceptualizes a lot of stuff that I don't have a, a great grasp on. That's why I like having you in studio when possible. But I did get fired up by Quincy Ortiz's comment, and I answered on it. This is the same one. He said, I'll, we'll read it. I just want to get your thoughts on this. He said, Panger is the, is the type of... Panger is the type to be a pro based off of who he knows, where Bradley is the type to go make it off his talent and accomplishments. Was that on this show? That, yeah, that was a comment. Uh, not, uh, not for this show, but that was the comment for the one we did with Ken Duke. And that fired me up because, because one, I am not a, a pro, right? I've never fished at the BPT, the, the FLW Tour, the Elite Series level. I'm still trying to become a pro. And the only way that you can make a pro become pro is based off of your accomplishments, which is how you catch fish consistently to get at that level, which you have. So technically, that's a, that, that fired me up. But the more I read it, the more I was like, that's a great Great comment, because you have made it off your talent and accomplishments. Ah, I don't know about all this. I don't even know what the definition of a pro is anymore. I don't think any of us do. There's so much out there, dude. Well, that, that got me fired up, so I, I responded. I don't respond to good or bad, right? I just I like to let the, let the comments so organically hear, speak for let's themselves. Let's hear your response. My response was, I'd be interested in a deeper explanation of your assessment. <laughs> Did you get a response to that? I did. He said, I'm a, I'm a fan. And like I said, I'm not ripping on Quincy. I appreciate the feedback. You know, there's a lot of things you can take your time to answer. Yeah. If you're taking your time to answer on BTL, I, I love that. That's awesome. That means you're vested in the show. You're interested and it's valuable enough for you to give feedback. And I read it. Uh, sometimes on, on the DMs, it's just like mailing out packages, though. I suck at responding, but I read them. Uh, he said... Uh, I'm a fan of Matt on the show, but let's be real. He's just like the college kids Bradley talks about relying on how good of info they can get from people, which, which fired me up. <laughs> and then he said, you put a big emphasis on having industry connections and contacts. Yes, I do. I, I, I do a podcast every day 
that literally relies on industry connections and contacts. That's the sole reason why the show has able to have guests. Well, I think in the 15 years, you kind of earned that. He said, yes, I do feel that is important when becoming a professional. But how has fishing gotten to the point where that's most important, not being a solid angler that belongs there due to what you bring to weigh in? Which made me want to respond, but I didn't. Listen, I'm not there yet. I haven't been there. The reason I haven't been there is because you can't get there until you bring stuff to weigh in, <laughs> which I have not done on a consistent basis. Listen, there's a whole line of people in your life sitting out there waiting on you to fail. They'll be there no matter what you but do. But there's also a whole line of people that send amazing messages and, and are supporting and followed the journey. Like I said, objective. I wasn't taking, I said, the reason I pointed that out was it got me fired up. But the more I analyzed it, which I did, the more I was like, oh, he's absolutely right. And he didn't say anything that wasn't yeah. true. I don't agree with all uh, of it, but yeah. I, I we do have some great comments, though, and I do appreciate it. We are going to run a contest. We're approaching 2,000 reviews on uh, iTunes. And, you know, like I talked with Brian about going to iCast and having some, some ammo to continue free programming for BTL every single day. We're adding more shows next year. There's going to be some Friday shows. We're going to do a lot more on location shows. I'm really excited about next year. Um, but a, a lot of those deals are because of feedback and comments and viewer listening. So I'm, I'm ready to see the traveling studio, dude. I'm excited about that. We'll run a uh, we'll run a contest for for those who have left com, uh, comments and reviews, and those haven't. I just need to figure out what it is. Okay, sounds good. All right, we'll figure out what we're doing tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, mystery show. Yeah, we'll have lunch maybe. Should I? Are you going to be here tomorrow? No, you're not dropping what is the tomorrow kids Wednesday. Off? Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, if you're not, uh, uh, yeah, I think we're good. I think I might do a Sunline Hotline show tomorrow. Ooh. Someone just suggested that. Sunline Hotline. I love those. Yeah. We'll do a Sunline Hotline, Sunline Hotline show tomorrow. If you can be here, that's great. If you can, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. One way or another, we'll figure it out. We have technology today. Live Oh, I do. Holy cow. Look Now look at the listener, their feedback's on. Uh, Jeff... Lucas, yes, Charlie Hartley texted me. He has a legendary story with his co-angler. He, it was something like he drew like him as a younger version of himself, and they like immediately clicked, had this connection, and then his, his co-angler caught like 18 and a half pounds, and he was like 16. They were screaming together in the boat and bonding. It was, he said it was a magical moment on Champlain. And if he had some time, yes, uh, I will see if I can get he's He's still up at Champlain. Of course he is. So I will he see. Loves that place. I don't know if he's got service, but I would love to love to get him on. So Sunline Hotline Show with the possibility of Charlie Hartley and or Brad Holman on tomorrow. There you go. There you go. We just made it up. We Big just got shout out to Brian Robinson. Like you said, a lot, of, uh, a lot of irons in the fire. Man, that guy does have some irons in the fire. This has been... BTL on a Tuesday, August 16th. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.